The point is that he figured it out. He didn't know how to do it. He did the research and he solved the problem. That's the type of person that we look for. It doesn't matter what programming language you know or what frameworks or whatever. It's can you solve the problem even though you don't have the knowledge? I'm Thane Brimhall and I'm the CTO of Seek. This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Labpart, and today how Thane Brimhall brought AR for products, not to an app, not to a game, but to your web browser. All this and more on Code Story. Thane Brimhall has been passionately building tech for over 15 years. He started by programming his graphing calculator in high school and has built solutions for prominent startups such as Weave Communications, DiviPay, and Simple Citizen. A longtime gamer frequenting platforms like Dota, he made efforts to create his own games. Through these passions, tech and gaming, he created a treasure hunt using augmented reality, or what is known today as AR. He quickly learned what his clients really wanted, which was augmented reality through the web. This is the creation story of Seek. So Seek is an augmented reality company that focuses on e-commerce and product visualization. So let's say that you are shopping for a couch online and you look at the picture, you look at the video and you're like, I think that's good, but how does it look in my space? And so what Seek does enables you to click on something in the website and without installing an app or anything like that, you can throw that couch onto your camera feed and it will superimpose itself in real time on that camera feed. So it looks like the couch is there and you can say, oh, I love the size. It fits, you know, it looks comfortable, but it clashes with my carpet. So I got to pick a different color. Super cool. So is there any limitation to the type of products that can go through Seek? No, not really. We like to tell people that if you sell a thing on the internet, you need Seek. If you were buying a can of soup on, on the internet, maybe it wouldn't matter as much as like a couch. But, uh, you know, even then, people like to take that 3D object and turn it around and look at the ingredient label. Oh, that's interesting. So how do they interface with your product? So that you mentioned putting a couch in the camera feed, does a user download the Seek app or does a business integrate with Seek into their e-commerce? Our technology is a web-based technology, which means no app is required. And that's really the technological hurdle that a lot of companies willing to do AR for a long time. They didn't want an app. Nobody used their app. Now that we can install our technology directly onto a client's website, all of a sudden, it's become this magical experience for consumers. So really it's three lines of code using our SDK to install an augmented reality experience onto any website. That's fantastic. Sounds super easy to deploy. Tell me how Seek got started. Tell me about the origination of the company and how you got involved. It's been a wild ride. So Seek started off as a treasure hunting company, believe it or not. We would go out into the mountains and hide a treasure chest full of like $10,000, like real cash. 
And then we would have an event where people could sign up, pay us an entry fee, and we would give them clues that would lead them on this scavenger hunt. So think of it like a, a 5K race mixed with a scavenger hunt mixed with the treasure thing. It was it was cool, right? People loved it, but we learned very quickly that is not a scalable business. You have to go out, you have to manage the event. It brought in money, but it wasn't enough to really like grow it to something big. So what we said is, hey, how can we make that digital? And right when we were saying that, hey, Pokemon Go hit the markets. And we said, oh my gosh, augmented reality? That's the perfect thing for treasure hunting. So we started building augmented reality tech and we built a whole platform based on that. And, uh, you know, it, it worked out pretty good. But all of our clients started saying, hey, this augmented reality thing, can you do your business without the treasure hunt? And we were like, yeah, I guess we could. So we started working with our partners and we built an app they could publish any sort of augmented reality experience on and it was moderately successful again. But eventually we said, look, nobody wants the app. Nobody's willing to go through the headache of you know finding the product, downloading the app, logging into the app, re-finding the product, then viewing the object all so they can have a 15 second, 20 second experience. It's just too hard. Mm -hmm. And so we said, can we do the same thing we're doing now, but as a web-based technology? So we prototyped that out, kicked it out to a couple of our clients and they loved it. And all of a sudden people are asking us to put this into their company's technology. And all of a sudden the money started rolling in and we said, whoa, this is it. This is how you monetize augmented reality. That's amazing. So tell me about that switch from mobile to a web-based technology in from a tech standpoint. So you, you know, you're talking native code probably, or even, you know, maybe React or Xamarin or something like that, but you can integrate with the camera a little bit easier. So tell me about that process of going from one to the other. Yeah. So the primary technologies for augmented reality right now are AR Kit on iOS and AR Core on Android. And when you build an app, you have complete control over those. You can build anything that your heart desires. But what most people didn't know is that there were a couple of those APIs they exposed that enabled some of the functionality in a web browser. They were kind of like underhyped features. Most people are like, oh, that's cool. And then they never thought about it again. We said, oh, wow, we can actually use this to help our customers show off their products right from their website. It's not something that uh, you need an app for anymore. So we immediately started building that technology as soon as it was technically feasible. And in the future, we know that Google and iOS are already working on extensions to that functionality in the web browser that will allow us to make even richer experiences through the web. When it's time to hire, I know that finding the right person for your company can be challenging. This is especially true in a small business where every employee truly impacts the organization. So when you are ready to find that next hire, LinkedIn can help. LinkedIn Jobs matches your role with qualified candidates so you can find the right person quickly. What I love about LinkedIn Jobs is that it's all in one place. I can review applicants, review resumes, send messages, get back with my applicants, my candidates, all in one spot, and connect with the go-no-go-for-launch or interview right there in the tool. 
LinkedIn is an active community of professionals with 675 million members worldwide. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for so you can hire the right person faster. Things like collaboration, creativity, adaptability. LinkedIn looks beyond just hard skills and puts your job post in front of qualified candidates every day so it's seen by people looking for jobs like yours. That's why companies rate LinkedIn Jobs the number one hiring platform for delivering quality hires. Find the right person for your business with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash code dash story. Again, that's linkedin.com slash code dash story to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. This episode of Code Story is sponsored by Tresta. Tresta is a mobile app that lets you do business calling and texting from anywhere. With Tresta, you can set up your business phone number, download the app, and start calling and texting unlimited right away. Tresta is the best business phone app on the market. Whether you're a founder or freelancer starting your business, or you're already established. Growing your network and your business is all about communication. You've got to be available no matter where you are. Tresta offers the call management features that empower you to communicate smarter and more efficiently, like auto attendance, call recording, user groups, and more. And you don't need any special equipment, just the smartphone you're already using. Tresta is easy to configure, so you can set everything up yourself, all online. It's just $15 per user per month, with no contract. So start your free 30-day trial today at tresta.com slash codestory. That's www.tresta.com slash codestory, all one word. So from an MVP standpoint, you kind of have two. You've got mobile and you've got web-based and similar ideas, but they're two different, obviously, areas. Let's talk about the, the web portion that you're on now. When you were building that early on, what decisions, sort of trade-offs did you have to make short-term in order to get the product out live? Yeah. So, I mean, really the biggest decision there is that we were used to having a lot of control. By using these APIs, we had to relinquish some of the control back to Google and Apple. And when we looked at it, we were like, ah, you know, like, is it really worth it if we can't control the entire experience? That was a hard decision to make to say, hey, we're building something really amazing. And now we have to work with something that's only kind of amazing. But we decided that key element here is reducing the barrier to entry. And it turned out that that was worth the trade-off of like control for to reduce the barrier of entry. It made all the difference in the world to our customers and to the users who ended up experiencing this augmented reality. How long is, has the web component been out in the wild? Just about a year. We launched it one year ago. And we've seen some amazing success in, in a really short time. How has it progressed in that year from a tech standpoint? Well, when we launched initially, it really was a, an MVP. It worked, but a lot of things had to be done manually. When you're processing these 3D models, you have to get them into very specific formats. And those formats actually differ based on what platform you're viewing them on. So you might need a different format for Android and for iOS and for web and for or like desktop web. And even within iOS versions, there are different compatibilities and features that you can or can't take advantage of. And so the key of our technology is saying, hey, I have one input model, one 3D model that goes in, and we automatically generate 
maybe five, six, seven that are platform specific that are optimized for each platform to give the user the best possible experience. And so initially, you know, MVP, we were generating these things by hand and like, you know, syncing them to the server by hand. Now it's all a completely automated system. You just drop in a 3D model and it magically goes to every platform. When end user drops in one of those models, it automatically creates all the formats that's required. Is that right? That's correct. That's great. How did you build your team? How did you go about picking the winning horses for your team? And how does your team structure align with how you're developing your product? Yeah. So we have a very untraditional philosophy for hiring our developers. We don't care about education. We don't even really care about like work experience. What we really care about, the number one indicator that we hire based on is whether or not they've built something cool in their free time. For instance, the developers that we just hired built a battery indicator for his Linux laptop that was like a Legend of Zelda heart indicator. So like as his battery is going down, he's losing life. Visually, it shows the battery as the hearts in a video game. It's not like super useful, but the point is in his own free time, he took something that he wanted to do, found the documentation. He had to get into the Linux kernel documentation and the graphical interface documentation. And he had to build it from scratch, figure out all the pieces, put them together and, you know, come out with a product. It's not like a big thing. It's not like you could sell it. But the point is that he figured it out. He didn't know how to do it. He did the research and he solved the problem. That's the type of person that we look for. It doesn't matter what programming language you know or what frameworks or whatever. It's can you solve the problem even though you don't have the knowledge? Interesting. So there's some resolve there. There's a drive to figure it out. There's some grit in the face of adversity and solving those problems. And then there's a ability to see it to solution. That's exactly right. Now, we like to make fun of our team because if you add together all the degrees that our team has, we have one degree out of all of our developers. And so our other employee on the business side says, hey, I have more degrees. I have double the number of degrees that the whole tech team has. In software, it's not so much about education. It's about, like you said, the resolve to take something that you don't know and do something with it. So let's talk about scalability. Uh, how are you building Seek to be scalable in the future? We were lucky that the technology that we built is actually very easy to scale and that our team has a lot of experience building products in a scalable way, just based on the history of what we have built. And so that's never really been a problem for us. One of our secrets to scaling our product is the fact that we have a large portion of our network requests that are read-only. So we can heavily leverage caching and CDNs, content distribution networks, and existing technologies. And it just makes everything that we do very scalable. I would say the hardest thing that we have to scale is that pipeline that I was talking about where we convert 3D models from format A to format B. That's more difficult to scale because it's very CPU intense and sometimes right. even uses the graphics card of a server, which most servers don't even have graphics cards. We have to use kind of some more interesting server architecture than a normal project would, but even then it's really not that bad. 
are you having to use local physical servers in a data center? Or are you still using cloud servers? Yeah, yeah, we that? still use the cloud. In fact, we've really designed our system to be cloud agnostic. So we actually have servers on Azure and AWS, and we'll be probably putting some on Google Cloud soon also. It's really designed to be run anywhere. We really recommend containerization as a good way to make your system easy to deploy to any server architecture. What are you most proud of on the Seek team? I mean, you're building really cool, cutting-edge technology, AR space, which is really fun. Sounds like you have a great, diverse team. But what are you most proud of? I'm proud of my team for something that's maybe a little weird. The fact that we built lots of stuff and we were able to recognize that there was a sunk cost and we shelved some of our products that we loved. You know, it's really hard to look at something that you've put a lot of love into and say, hey, we need to redirect our efforts and put it on this other thing that's successful. We had a lot of fun building AR platforms and treasure hunting and like lots of different things that we could have done. But, you know, when we found the correct business model, everybody went all in on it. And that I'm really proud of my team for in writing. It's called Killing Your Darlings. You have that character that you really love, but if you cut them from the book, it's going to make the book better. So, you know, I'm really proud of us to kill our darlings and say, I really love building this, but it's not the right thing for us at this time. You mentioned that the treasure hunting, was it primarily kind of the earlier stuff, the products that you really enjoyed making that you put on the shelf to focus on the web thing or were there? Absolutely. um, We love what we built. A lot of what we did is fun. And when you really look at it now, like we let people see couches and that's not cool or sexy. And what we really want, you know, is to do something fun. But the fact is when you look at it from an outside point of view, it is cool. We're just a little bit disappointed sometimes because we've seen how much more the future is holding for us. And it's hard to recognize the world isn't ready for everything that augmented reality has to offer yet. Right. But it's coming. And I think it's coming fast. I think it was last week Facebook announced they're making augmented reality glasses. So in five years, it's going to probably be pretty common for people to wear augmented reality glasses. And that's when the fun really begins. Right. And you and your team will be at the forefront. I hope they send me a bunch of prototype stuff because I want (laughs) to use it before the rest of you. Have you ever spent a bunch of time brainstorming email subject lines only to be disappointed by the open rate? Why not just text your users instead? SMS open rates are 98%. Send out a download link to your app let users know about a new release, or provide two-way customer support. Simple texting makes it easy. Text code story to 555-888 and get an instant demo and 50% off your first month. Seriously, grab your phone right now and do it. Text code story, all caps, all one word, to 555-888. Data and message rates apply. Use text to instantly connect with new and existing users today. Sign up at simpletexting.com slash code story. Tell me about a mistake that you made and how your team responded to it. Yeah, so we've had uh, our fair share of architecture mistakes, you know, just like any growing product would. I think the most common mistakes that we do is we you know, will say, hey, here's this new feature. So for instance, we built a tagging system for models. So a company can go in and 
They can label their models and filter by those tags. And I mean, you'd expect that, right? And I was an idiot. I said, look, we can do this the easy way or we could do this the right way. You know, we could just say, oh, here's like a list of, of strings and that's going to be our tagging system. Or we could go out and build like a whole database table, you know, and we could add additional metadata to each of the tags and make a really robust, useful system. And our client only needed the simple system right now. And I was like, we're going to do it the easy way. And so we built it and... Seriously, it was like two weeks later after we deployed the feature, our other client came and said, hey, I need this feature that you build. I need it to do more. Like we need this robust functionality. And I looked at it and I said, that is exactly the system that I had envisioned and decided not to build because it would save us some time. And now I've lost that time. I have to throw out the system that we built and do it the right way. So a lot of times, if you just think about the future, even just a little bit and say, let's do it the right way, not the easy way, ends up saving you a lot of time. Absolutely. We say, look, let's not repeat the tag issue. Let's do it the right way now. So what's the future look like for the product and for your team? Yeah, so we're looking to grow really aggressively at this point. We've proven that the business model works and is very scalable. Now we're going to be hiring lots and lots of people on the sales side and on the technical side in order to double, triple, quadruple, 10 times our efforts. We're really excited because this is a wide open market, not a lot of competition, and we want to take all of it. That's awesome. Sounds like you're aggressively going to claim the rooftops and put the seek name out there. Yeah. You know, another thing that's kind of interesting in the future is the technology will grow more robust. So right now we do a lot of things called plane tracking where we say, oh, here's the floor. We're going to put an object on the floor. But we're building right now a lot of technology that allows us to attach something to a hand or to your face or to your foot. So like if our client wants to show a shoe you know, on your foot, like we're going to be able to do that. So lots of different tracking techniques are something that are just coming out in the future. I expect those in the next year. Name an architect, a CTO, or tech person you look up to and why. I just recently watched a video by Elon Musk where he talked about his philosophy in engineering, and it really resonated with me. He said that a lot of times we are given parameters and so we engineer a solution within those parameters, but we never ask, are the parameters themselves wrong? Are we asking the right questions? And so by challenging the core assumptions of rocketry, his company, SpaceX, has done amazing things that everyone else said was impossible. And I think those exact principles apply to software development. We say, what are the parameters? Oh. The parameters are that augmented reality has to be built into an app. But if we remove those parameters and say, but what if it didn't have to be into an app? All of a sudden, our company was very successful. And so I really look up to his philosophies in engineering and can we simplify or adapt the technology to challenge those core assumptions. Approach from Elon Musk and challenging the status quo it really applied to what you guys were doing at Seek. Absolutely. So if you could go back to the beginning, what would you do differently? You know, what would you consider taking a different approach on? Again, I think that's probably the business model. 
one thing that we did early on is we kind of built a, a consumer platform. We relied on having lots and lots of customers come and we relied on having lots and lots of businesses come. So we had this uh, two-sided market problem and that's hard to do without a very lot of funding. And so the beauty of what we're doing now is that we only have to sell to companies and that is exponentially easier. And I would have liked to see our old technology focus more on that B2B SaaS type revenue instead of the consumer-based revenue. I feel like that's why they weren't as successful when our current model is extremely successful. What advice would you give to someone just starting out down the startup road? So you get on a plane, you sit next to someone and you're talking to them and they say, yeah, I'm, you know, I've got this idea and I'm running with it and yeah. I'm just getting started. What would you tell them? The number one thing you can do when you are a brand new startup is to kill your darlings. You got to simplify. You got to do less better. You've got to focus and you have to work on what is immediately effective rather than what might be effective in the future. I was talking to a friend and he had a business and he's like, hey, look, we can do this, this advertising and we'll get paid every time someone uses our product. And I said, hey, that's great. But if you look at the exact same business a different way and you say, hey, it's a subscription and that they get unlimited at that point, first off, people are going to use it more. But I ran the numbers and he would be making 10 times as much money on the exact same product just by structuring it a little bit differently. And so, you know, really understanding the thing that you have in your mind might not be the best way of doing it. And that by focusing on the right models early on can really help you to grow faster and better. That's great advice. Well, Thane, thank you for being on the Code Story podcast today. Thank you for your time and telling the creation story of Seek. Yeah, it was my pleasure. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Labhart. Season two episodes are co-produced and edited by Bradley Denham. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. Support the show on patreon.com slash code story for just five to 10 bucks a month. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.